Before we dive into today's message, I just want to invite you to an upcoming party for Pastor Nancy and for Bill as she prepares to retire uh, later this month. Uh, But we're going to give her a great send-off on June the 14th. That's going to be at 6.30 at Sheeran Presbyterian. Uh, It's going to be kind of an old-fashioned potluck dinner, so we invite everyone to bring enough food to feed a couple families, and so uh, we can have a good time there. But Uh, We'll laugh some, we'll cry some, but most especially we're just going to share our love for Pastor Nancy uh, and for Bill and the 14 years that they have served God here as part of our congregation. Uh, So we'll know that you don't want to miss that. And then they'll be with us to the end of the month uh, here on Sunday mornings and and, uh, throughout the weeks. Um, But we just want to take a special time just to let them know how much that we love them. Okay, this past week I had uh, a nightmare Uh, that is one of my recurring nightmares. Now, I'm guessing you might have recurring nightmares in your life. Uh, I'm not sure what yours are, but now my recurring nightmare is not the sense of falling from some great height and you just keep falling. I know that's that's a popular nightmare. I guess nightmares can be popular. I don't know. Um, My nightmare was not being chased by a guy with a hockey mask and a big axe trying to get me. Uh, my nightmare was not being in front of, you know, hundreds of people forgetting to get dressed in the morning, one of those nightmares. Um, my nightmare is this, and it is a recurring nightmare in my life. I'm getting ready to graduate either from college or from divinity school where I've studied to be a pastor. All my friends and family are excited. Got a lot of people coming to come to the, the graduation, the celebration, just kind of like what we did here today as we honored our graduates. Uh, all I have to do is get through final exams. Uh, And in this nightmare, I realized that as I'm preparing for final exams, that there's an entire course, an entire course that I forgot to attend in this semester. And not a paper, didn't go to class, didn't take a test. And so the exam's coming up. Even if I ace the exam, there's no way that I'm going to pass that course. I'm going to fail. I'm going to have to go to summer school. All my friends and family are going to be disappointed. I'm not going to get ordained. I'm not going to graduate. Uh, and that is my recurring nightmare. And so now it's affirmed that your pastor is a nerd and a dork because his nightmares revolve around academics. Uh, what course was it? <laughs> <laughs> what course was it? It changes each nightmare. <laughs> Usually something to do with Greek or some theology that I don't know how to speak. So. But anyway, so that's where we are, and it doesn't probably take a PhD to know that what that means in my life is when I had that nightmare is that some th- something's coming up, and I don't feel prepared for it, right? So I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go. I'm, I'm doubting myself. I'm doubting my ability, and so this nightmare comes back, and it's my psych- psychological way of dealing with whatever anxiety I have and about not being ready for whatever it is that's coming forward to me. Well, today we celebrate our graduates, and we're so proud of these young men and, and some of our young women who will be in the, in the next service and who are not able to be here for the first service. Uh, and we're so proud of you. And this is the moment that we celebrate, and it, it, it includes a lot of hard work on your part, and we're so proud of you. And we believe that God is with you and God has great plans for your life. The world is literally before you. We're so excited for you. It's such an amazing time in your life, and you guys are going to do awesome things. You're already doing awesome things. God's plans are already unfolding, and and we celebrate, and we want you to feel confident. We want you to know that if, by, uh, by a mere chance, that somewhere deep down inside of you, 
that you might be excited on the outside, but you might have some anxiety or maybe some even some doubt within your own hearts of, wow, what do I do now? I'm graduating from high school. I'm going to college. Am I really ready to go and do that? Or I'm graduating from college or graduate school, and I've got to go out into the real world, into the workplace. Am I really ready for that? If you guys are feeling a little bit of that doubt, don't feel bad. That's normal. And that's something that we all feel. Right? Some of us right now are, are, are concerned, you know, am I really ready to have a baby? Or am I really ready to get married? Or am I really ready to retire? Am I really ready to start a new job? Am I really ready to move? Am I really ready to have this conversation with my doctor that I've been putting off? Am I ready to have a conversation with one of my friends that we had a fight and we just haven't talked since then? There, there's a lot of doubt in all of us. A lot of anxiety. How do we know if we're ready for something or not? And so if, if you know what it feels like to have a little bit or a lot of self-doubt, you're in the right place today because we're going to talk about that. We want to say, yes, I'm ready. But a lot of us probably have that internal question, or am I? And so today we're going to wrestle with what does it look like to deal with doubt in ourselves, in our life. Thankfully, God has a lot of exciting things to teach us in the Bible. Today, we're going to be going way back in time, back to the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible, second book of the Old Testament, uh, and we're roughly somewhere between 1,500, 1,400, 1,500 years before Jesus is born, so a long time ago. So the people of Israel have been captives, they've been slaves in Egypt for a long time. Years and years and years and years and years. When they went down to Egypt, they went down as friends. They stayed maybe too long. And now they have been enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And they just want to go home. They want to leave Egypt and go back to Israel. They haven't even seen Israel. These people have been in, in captivity for so long. And God hears their cries. And God is going to send them a deliverer. And his name is Moses. And Moses is an interesting guy. When he was a baby, the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, decided to issue a law that all of the, the young Israelite boys, the babies, should be killed because there are too many Israelites and they don't want the population to continue to grow. And so his mom put him in a basket, put him on the Nile River, set him down, trusted him into God's care. And the ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, his daughter found this baby. It, it moved her and her heart. And so she adopted Moses and raised him. Uh, in the house of Pharaoh, in the enemy's house, among the rich and the elite, the aristocrats, the royalty. And so he grew up as an Egyptian. And one day when he was older, as a, as a young adult, he saw another Egyptian abusing one of the Israelite slaves. He made him so mad that he killed the Egyptian. And then he had to flee for his life. And he's been living out in the desert as a shepherd in a blue-collar world, doing some hard work. And so now he finds himself addressing God the God of the universe, directly on a mountaintop where there's a bush there and the bush is on fire, but it's not catching, like burning away. It's just on fire and still alive. And God is speaking to Moses through this bush. And he's calling him to say, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to send you to get them out of slavery from Pharaoh. So that's where we pick up the story. And we think about if Moses has this great call from God, is he ready for that call? Or does he have some doubts that he has to work through? So let's look at it. Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 10. So God says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right? For a lot of people, that'd be, man, this is the opportunity I've wanted. I can help save my people. I can do something great for God. This is an amazing opportunity. When do we get started, God? 
That wasn't Moses' reaction. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It's a great question. Who am I? Just a guy. Right? I'm a fugitive. I'm on the run. Right? Who am I? I you talk about self-doubt. I, you know, we can probably all identify with Moses. Who would want to do that? Who is able to do that? Right? And so Moses doubts himself. himself right? and, so, and God said to him, I will be with you. And this will be the sign uh, to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, it's going to happen. You're going to do this. Then you'll come back and worship God. Worship me here on this mountain. Moses, it's a done deal. It's going to happen. Right? Just trust me. So Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell, what shall I tell them? So now Moses doesn't just doubt himself. He doubts his reception from his people. Who is this joker? Who's this guy coming, right? He was raised as one of our enemies. He was raised uh, as a prince, you know, in Pharaoh's household. And then he killed someone. He's a fugitive. He's been out in the desert doing God knows what. Who is this guy to come say he's going to save us? And Moses was probably right. That's probably what people would think and say and all that kind of stuff. So he says, what should I tell them then, God? So God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. Now we read that and you're like, that doesn't sound impressive at all, right? Of course, you know, we're about 3,500 years removed from this in a different culture. I mean, that sounds like the old cartoon Popeye the Sailor Man. I am what I am and that's all that I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man, right? Is God a, a sailor who eats spinach and smokes a pipe and likes olive oil? You know, it's like, no, no, that's not what's going on. There's a lot of theology here. We don't have time to get to it much. But basically what it means is there's only one creature in all of the universe who can say I am. And that's God. God exists because God is, right? The rest of us, we exist because God created us, right? And so we can't say that. We're not who we are on our own, right? We are created. We are creatures. God has made us. And so the only being in the whole universe that can just say, I am, is God. And so God says, this is my name. Go and, and tell them, and that will, will show them, okay? So then Moses is kind of going back and forth with God. He's like, God, they're not going to believe me. So God gives Moses the ability to do some, some miracles, right? He can throw down his staff. It can turn into a snake, and he can pick it back up. And so he practices that. And then he can, God, you know, makes part of his body become diseased, you know, where you could see that. And then all of a sudden, it's healed again. And so God's giving him these signs. He says, you're going to go down, and you're going to turn the Nile River into blood. Right? And their life force, you're going to turn it into blood. So God's getting Moses ready for this big battle with Pharaoh where all the plagues come. And, and God's going to show these false Egyptian gods that they're not real. God is God. And so he's trying to get Moses ready. And he's doing all these miracles and stuff, but it's still not enough. So in chapter 4, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Right? How can I go and talk to these people? I, I'm not good. I, I'm a slow talker. We don't know if that's really like slow talking or did he stutter? Or maybe he feels that he's been away from the Egyptians so long. He, his Egyptian is not up to speed or he hasn't spoken with the diplomatic kind of conversation that he had when he was in Pharaoh's household. He's been with, you know, in the blue collar world. Can I shift back that? Whatever it is, Moses doesn't feel that he's able to speak what God wants him to speak. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths and who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak 
and will teach you what to say. I will give you the words that you need. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> so, you know, we could probably, again, identify with Moses. This is a heavy task that he's going to have to undertake. But some of us will be like, what's the problem, man? Go and do what God asked you to do. Right? But then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. God's been patient, but he's losing it now. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak. Right? I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. So now God says, okay. I'm going to send your brother to help you. You're not going to be by yourself. He's going to speak, but you're still going to go. And oh, by the way, grab the staff that you have that's going to be the symbol of my power. And Moses, you're not getting off that easy. You need to serve me. So Moses says, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I can't speak well enough. People are not going to believe that I'm from you, right? I, I'm this fugitive, right? God believed so much that Moses was the one to do this, and yet Moses found excuse after excuse after excuse, all this doubt about himself, about his people. Right? What are we supposed to make from this? Uh, I found this really cool quote from a guy named Peter Enns, and this is what he says. Uh, God surprises the ill-prepared. Moses is not ready. And he calls them out of unlikely settings. Moses is a fugitive. He was with the enemy. Then he killed the enemy. Now he's been out, and he's a shepherd. Uh, he doesn't speak very well, right? So God surprises the ill-prepared, calls them out of unlikely settings precisely to leave no doubt that is his power and might at work, right? So when Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea as it parts, there's no doubt that wasn't Moses, that was God who was using Moses to do this, right? So what does that mean for us? What does that mean in our life as we face things that that we have self-doubt in our own selves. Are we ready for the task? Are we ready to graduate? Are we ready to get married? Are we ready to have a baby? Are we ready to start a new job? Are we ready to retire? Are we ready to have the difficult conversation? This is, this is what I think the so what moment is that in, in everyday English that Moses and God teach us. Jesus calls people not because we're ready, but because he is ready. Jesus calls people not because we're ready, but because Jesus himself is ready to do something through us. Let's think about what it means to be ready in our lives. So this past year, it's been a joy for me and somewhat of a learning curve to help my son, Luke, who's in the fifth grade, study for all his tests. And I've discovered that, no, I am not smarter than a fifth grader. It's uh, just amazing what fifth graders are doing. I was what he's doing now in fifth grade, I did like in seventh and eighth grade. So I'm looking up stuff on the internet about how to do fractions and math and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I really got a chance though, to grow closer to Luke in this process and just, you know, really had a good chance to, to ask him questions ahead of his test and then to celebrate, you know, when he did well. And it's all because he's smart and I'm not. But uh, that, that's a good experience. But now if Luke had gone in to, you know, take a test one day at his school and he hadn't studied at all, and he would have said, God, you know, please help me get an A on this test. And I think God's reaction would have been, sorry, bub, you should have studied last night because there's something in life where we have to do our part. We have to prepare. We, we have to do our best. And so, 
So we studied hard, and we studied hard for these tests. But then this past week, he took his end of grade test, right? The cumulative tests, right? One for math, one for science, one for English. And it, it takes in the whole semester. Ready to study for that, there's no study guide for parents to help students with, right? So when he went in to take those tests, right, the teachers had helped prepare him at school, but when he went in to take those tests, he had to be ready based on what he'd done all year long. I couldn't help him with that. And so sometimes we're more ready than we think we are. The teachers have prepared him all year. They've helped him review, but there's, I couldn't help him study for that. He just had to go in. All we could do was help make sure he got a good night's sleep. He had a good breakfast, and the rest was up to Luke. And, and sometimes we're more ready than we think we are. And then there's sometimes in life where we'll probably think we'll never be ready. Right? When Laura and I were deciding and praying about having children, you know, we, we always would say, well, we're just not ready. We we haven't been married long enough. I don't know if we're mature enough, meaning Kyle's not mature enough. And um, <laughs> we don't have enough money, you know, in the bank and all that kind of stuff. And so one day some uh, very good friends of ours said, hey, Kyle and Laura, you know, this is nice. You want to be prepared. But you know what? You got to get over yourself. You're never going to be ready. You just got to go and, and have the babies and trust that you'll do the best that you can, right? So there's different ways of being ready in our life. But what does it mean for God to call us to something? Because a lot of us probably don't believe God is calling us to do anything. We think that God calls people like Moses to do something like lead the people out of Israel. We think God calls people like Nancy and me to be ordained pastors and to be set aside to, to follow God's will. And that's all true, but I think that God calls all of us to do His work in the world every day. And that's where I really want to challenge us to think about. In, in your life, what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to do that you might not be ready for, but God is ready for? Okay, and so I think God calls us in two ways. I think the first way that God calls us, He calls us to be a part of His kingdom, the kingdom of God. Because God created us in God's image. We have this amazing ability to do good, to be like God, to be loving, to be forgiving, and to make the world a better place, to, to use the gifts and abilities we have to serve God and to live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven, live forever in the kingdom of God. Right? But we sometimes misuse our freedom of choice, and we do bad things, and we bring guilt upon ourselves and shame upon ourselves, and we, we have broken relationships with us and God, with us and other people. We're going to die one day because of that, and we're separated from right relationships, which the Bible calls hell. And, and so God says, that's not what I want. That's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross, to come back to life, taking all that junk, the guilt and shame and death and hell, and defeating it. And giving us a chance to be forgiven by turning away from our life without God and saying to God, God, I'm sorry. I believe in Jesus and what he did. I want you to come and be a part of my life and forgive me and, and give me this life to the full and help me make the world a better place, usher in the kingdom of God. Right? So the first call God has to us is to, is to is surrender to Jesus, to become part of the kingdom of God here on the earth. Right? Then the second call that I think God has is God wants us to serve for the kingdom of God here in the world. And some of us are, are serving full-time ministry. But most of us 
are serving God at work or at school or in our cul-de-sac or on the court or on the ball field or in the rehearsal space, right? Wherever we find ourselves, we are to usher in the kingdom of God. We're to serve God's kingdom. We're to serve Jesus with the gifts that God has given us to make the world a better place, to be, make it more like heaven, right? Through God working through us. So that, that's the call that I want to challenge you to be thinking about right now. What's God calling you to do for the good of the kingdom of God? Right? And so we know that you know, the so what moment today is Jesus calls people not because we're ready, but because God is ready. Now, the practical takeaway is, th- away, practical takeaway is this. Ready or not, look up. Right? Ready or not, look up. Right? You see the word ready on my chest? You, we, we left the, the little part out of the A. So you can see the, the thing that's going up, right? Ready or not, look up. What was Moses doing? He was looking down. He's looking down at himself. He's looking down at the Israelite people. He's like, I don't have what it takes. They're not going to believe me. Right? We, get, we get so focused on our anxiety, so focused on our doubt, that we forget to look up and see that God's moving in the world. To say that God sent Aaron and God's given Moses the power to do miracles and God's going to part the Red Sea and, and, and Moses is going to be empowered to stand up to Pharaoh because God is with him. Right? So in our own lives, when we're stressed about what we're going to do after we graduate or what we're going to do when we get married or have children or start a new job or move or retire, whatever it is, right? We can get so focused on our own stuff that we forget to take a time out and look up and see what God is doing in our lives, right? So get your head out of you know where and look up and see that God is moving in our lives. And so there's some questions we can ask ourselves, ready or not, right? Look up, look up and see what God's doing. The first question is, what's the need, right? What, what, what does God need me to do here at work? What does God need me to do in, in my home, in my house, in my cul-de-sac, at school, uh, on the ball field, right? What, what's the need here that God might have placed me here to do? Right? The second thing is, who did God send to help me? Right? God sent Moses Aaron. He's going to send him his uh, sister Miriam. God's going to send a lot of people in our lives. Who is God sent to help us in this process? Usually we're not by ourselves. Right? And who is God sending us to help also is a part of that. The third thing is, how can we represent God here? Right? So here's the need. Here are the people. Right? What can we do now for God? And finally, the fourth thing that we can do is trust God to provide. Right? He trusted uh, God to provide. Moses trusted God. Ultimately, he ended up trusting God. God provided, right? We, you know, we do all our prep work. We do all our preparation. What's the need? Who are the people involved? Right? How can we represent Jesus and trust God to provide? What does that look like in real life? Right? So say on the first day of college, your parents have dropped you off, and uh, part of you is super excited. You're going to meet some new people and have all this freedom. You stay up as late as you want, do whatever you want, all that kind of stuff. You're excited. But then as they're pulling out of the parking lot, you're also saying, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? I don't know anybody. Right? I, I'm feeling kind of lonely. It's like, hey, come back. I don't want to say that out loud. But, you know, there's just that, that, that feeling down deep inside. It's like, oh, man, this is kind of weird. And you look over and you see somebody else who has that same look in their eyes. Right? There's the need. There's the person that needs help, right? Maybe you have someone with you to help, right? How can we represent God here? We walk over and we trust God's going to give us the words. We walk over and say, you know what? You look like you're new here. Me too. I'm kind of stressed. What about you? It's that easy. You're an agent of God. You saw a need. You saw a person. Maybe you had someone help you. How How can I represent God here? Let me trust God. And you've started a conversation. You've started a relationship. Right? It's that easy. What if we were to 
right? Ready or not, look up in every situation in our life. Right? I think that we would have less doubt and more certainty that we might not be qualified. Maybe we are qualified. But even if we're not qualified, God's qualified. God's with us, and we can be an agent for God in our everyday life, right? One of our, our core values at South Park Church is generosity, and one of our core practices of generosity is giving our time to God, right? And we're called to serve God out in the world where we find ourselves, right? Seven days a week, right? We're at church a very short amount of time, right? When we're out in the world, we're God's agents. So what's the need? Who's there? Who's there to help? Who do you need to help? How do we represent God and trust God to provide? We can be agents of God, just like Moses was an agent of God. What is God's call upon your life? Even if you're not ready, Jesus is ready. So when I was an intern, we love our interns here, uh, Trey and Katie at our church this summer, and they've just been super awesome, and uh, you'll see them out in the lobby later today. And when I was an intern uh, in divinity school learning how to be a pastor, I served in a church in Kannapolis, North Carolina, right down the road uh, for a summer, and I got a chance to do all the pastoral things, to make visits and go to meetings and to preach and to do pastoral care and all that kind of stuff. And I remember like the first sermon that I was going to give in, in, my, in my church there that I was interning in, you know, I studied hard and I looked at all my stuff from divinity school and I tried to make it funny and serious and I poured myself into it and I prayed about it and, you know, I went and I preached that sermon and um, for whatever reason, from my perspective, it, it didn't click, people weren't engaged and I felt like an utter failure. Like, you know, when I went to the back of the church, traditional church, uh, you know, you shake people's hands as they go out. I just wanted to say, oh, I'm sorry that stunk. I'm sorry that stunk. You know, come, you know, come back next Sunday. The, the real pastor is going to be preaching. And That's you guys mind. are like, yeah, we get that every Sunday here, Kyle. Yeah, we, we understand what you're saying, right? We understand. So then this big dude, this grizzly looking guy comes up, his beard, grizzly, big tall guy. And he's got like tears in his eyes. And he grabs my hand and shakes. And he's like crunching my hand like Darth Vader, you know, and he said, he's like, man, thank you for that word. I needed to hear that word, and I want to join this church and follow Jesus here. Wow. Amen. I wasn't ready, but I didn't need to be because Jesus was. And what I thought was an absolute failure, I still think it was an absolute stinky sermon. <laughs> God used that to reach someone and lead them to Jesus. Amen. And that is so incredibly humbling. And I felt like Moses must have felt like, right, I wasn't ready, but God was ready. So ready or not, brothers and sisters, look up, man. God is ready to do something great through you. Right? It's not uncommon uh, on the first day when people go to like elite colleges and universities like in the Ivy League or start, you know, at a big job somewhere that's popular like Apple or something to that the, the people in charge, you know, bring in the, the newbies on the first day. And, and they say, we just want you to, you know, look around, breathe it in, right? It's not a mistake that you're here, right? <coughs> You belong here. You are one of us. And, and we want you to know, right, that, that you're supposed to be here. Because the intent is, you know, some people, like, I don't deserve to be here. I can't believe that I'm here. And, and they want them to be absolutely confident, you know, that, that you're here for a reason. You can make that. Now, some of us see that, and then we're like, ah, you know, has so self-congratulatory. Oh, you're here. You made it. Woo-hoo. Right? But, but it's serious because there's a lot of self-doubt in, in these overachievers. And, and it's like, look, look around. You're here. It's okay. You're supposed to be here. You're going to do well. Right? 
And I think that's true of us who follow Jesus. I would say to the graduates who are here today, you're here and well done and well deserved and you're in the right place. And God has amazing plans for your life and and you're going to do incredible things because God is with you. I would say to all of us, whether we are graduates or not, that look around, you're in the right place. You, you're supposed to be here. God has you here for such a time as this because God has given each of you special gifts to be a part of this South Park Church family so that we can bring in the kingdom of God here in our community. There's no mistake, right? You're here because God called you here and has plans for you to do great things, right? Jesus calls people not because we're ready, but because he's ready, right? Ready or not, look up and see that God is in the world. Brothers and sisters, you are here. You were called to be here. You belong here because God is ready to do something great through you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.